the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL. WFIL.com. This is a welcome to Philadelphia Bryce Harper music. Uh... Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Flyers at Columbus tonight, Sixers at Oklahoma City. Phillies, Baltimore doing the spring training thing. Got some uh, clouds tonight, maybe a little light snow. 27 to low, 38 to high tomorrow with a little light snow in the morning and some clouds. But we'll get past all that. We have some, uh, actually some cool guests this hour, right in a row. We're going to have Richard Pryor Jr. joining us. We have Lisa Dealey the chairman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office, about the new voting machines that just uh, passed. Uh, but before that batting leadoff, the one and only Gary G. Cobb. Hello, my friend. How you doing today? We have you. Th- oh, yeah, i got to push the button, don't I? That would help. It would help to turn the button on. How you doing? How you? Good, great, great. How, how are you making out? <laughs> Good. You like our welcome music here? Got Bryce Harper in town, apparently. Yeah, I see. You know, uh, I was um, I, that that kind of broke me, but an hour ago, uh, where uh, you know, and everybody was down on him this morning. It was kind of funny listening, <laughs> listening to people this morning. Who, <laughs> You're not of kidding. course, the whole thing was, you know, he wasn't going to come, and they, people were, you know, organizing these things. They're going to boo him when he comes through here. Well, now, of course, everybody's in love with him again. So. Uh, but it was it was good news, you know. It's going to be great for the Phillies. Uh, they've got great lineup, and uh, they got to feel very good. You know, you, you got him on the squad for the next 13 years. And the thing about it is, I, I think it's a good sign because, you know, he's not the best defender, but with the DH coming, he's going to be DH for the uh, for the Phillies for years and years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 13 years, because uh, that's also a surprise number because people were thinking. Thinking ten, but thirteen yeah. years and uh, three hundred thirty million dollars. It actually sets the record. Beats uh, Giancarlo Stanton's big deal, which was thirteen years. I think three twenty five, a couple years back. So he gets to set the record that way. But the, the other big piece of this, right? There's no opt out in there. He's he's here. Yeah. That's right. He's here, and uh, you know, it, it just shows you that Bryce and his hair uh, are here to stay. A, a lot of the information that was out there floating around. Well, it was a lot of garbage. I mean, how could he wind up now? He doesn't even have an opt-out. They were going to say, well, they're debating whether it was going to be three or five years, and, and now it's not even part of the deal. And, uh, you know, for this 13-year thing, you know, it, everybody's got to be happy. I mean, you got to feel good about the fact that, you, you know, you got him on board, and um, uh, they got to feel good about their lineup, man, you know. Uh, We'll see. Uh, it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, it is. Gary G. Cobb is our guest. Uh, and I was just thinking, uh, you know, not knowing what's true, what's not. Um, the the possible backlash, I think of when you're talking that much money, we can almost build another stadium or a half a stadium at least. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Right? And, and, and you're dealing with, you know, passionate fans here. They're not going to take too kindly to you if you're in two-thirds of the way. Like, 
Well, there's always that five, even five years in. He, he's, he's trying to leave us already before he gets more, you know, in here. And so it almost is a, a smart business for him and for, for everybody involved. Just say, I'm here. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to put my whole self into it. So, Well, you know, he, he's going to get to know Philly, but, you know, it's, it's best to be either in or out. <laughs> and there, there's a don't, life lesson there happy. somewhere, right? All in or out. Don't be lukewarm. All in or all out. Uh, the halfway thing doesn't work well here in Philadelphia. Gary Cobb, uh, gcobb.com is where one place you can find them. Longtime broadcaster in this market. Played for the Eagles, played for the Phillies, um, Eagles, Cowboys, and uh, Lions. Another quick piece of news, I guess. Apparently the Cowboys, uh, Jason Witten, their, their Hall of Fame bound tight end, decides he really wants one more crack at the gridiron. What do you think about that? I- uh, it was it was shocking, you know. I mean, it's it's not uh, a shock that he felt that way uh, because uh, I can tell you, you know, I mean, they're they're guys that uh, retire and uh, yeah, they still have that itch, you know, that they would like to be playing. But the fact that he's able to and he's got such a great rapport with the Cowboys that the, right away they just uh, signed him to a deal. Uh, of course, you know. Um, He's got that kind of rapport with the whole organization. And, uh, you know, he can go ahead and get it out of the system. I don't know that uh, he's going to be anywhere near the player that he was, but uh, he he wanted to take care of that itch, and he's (laughs) he's in good enough uh, physical shape to be able to do it. But um, when you you were done? It's been quite a day. It really has. When we talked this morning, just texted back and forth about coming on, and all this stuff happened in the meantime. I was going to ask you a totally different set of questions about Bryce Harper. Now it's the opposite. But um, on that retiring thing, how old were you when you stopped playing football? I I stopped playing when I was about uh, 33. Okay. But that was injury related so you kind of almost had to but was there was there like till you were 42 you're like i could still get back out there i could still do that you know um you know other, other you know i i uh of course you know but then that was kind of injury related i was thinking about getting back out there so much but you know i i still felt like i could still play you know um yeah and so you you, you um you feel you're young enough you know that you know, you've been competing with these guys all these years, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not in the mix. Uh, every guy has an itch. You know, uh, you, you've been doing it all your life, and you haven't taken away. You know, you you, you don't um, you don't just yield to that right away. You kind of resisted some. So, yeah, I think every player has that has that itch where they like to get get out of uh, <laughs> get back out there. But yeah, uh, the fact that he's been able to, that he's going to walk through and do it, it's amazing. It's, it's it's going to be a shocker, and uh, you know, you know, everybody's giving him the business about the way he was up there in the booth, right? Right. <laughs> so, so you got these people tweeting and saying things like, "Well, that was an improvement on both sides," you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's going to improve the Cowboys, and he's going to improve, you know, ABC's, uh, you know, coverage of the game by leaving. Uh, man. <laughs> Man, well, the world's different from when you played, but you understand it because you played the game, you've broadcast, you know, many times, and and you're on social media, so you you get it if anybody would. Uh, Gary yeah. Gary G. Cobb, I guess you were also. We checked in last time we talked to you. You were at the Super Bowl, and uh, we we actually ended just talking about praying for you because you were reaching out mm-hmm. to you know looking. To, it's a great place at the Super Bowl to be able to meet players and people are in town, a chance to have yeah. some good conversations. How did how did that go? 
Oh, it went great. I mean, it really it always does. Uh, just the whole uh, thing, and they have uh, numerous uh, events where they have uh, times where people, you know, sharing, and um, you have people at the Super Bowl, and of course, all the way around the NFL. Really, it's it's, it's such a, and, and really not just the NFL, but the other leagues too. But but around in the NFL, especially where you've got things changing all the time, you know. Uh, it's it's not something that you can rely on. It, it's just it's just not. You know, they they joke about you know NFL not for long. Well, it, it really is true. I mean, you look up one minute the one guy that was on top of the mountain now he's under the mountain. You know, and <laughs> yeah. and so it, it's uh, because of the the way way it is that way. You know, um, you do find a lot of guys that are open to. Uh, uh, you know, sharing about the Lord. You know, they're open to looking. Uh, they want something reliable in their life. And so uh, we know the one that is truly reliable. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yep. It's really true. Really true. Gary G. Cobb, our yep. guest. We have a short break. Do you have another few minutes? I said a couple more questions to run by. Can you hang for a couple no minutes? No problem. Okay. Very no good. We'll, we'll do a short break. Gary G. Cobb is our guest. GCobb.com is how you can find out more about him and Phillies have signed Bryce Harper, apparently 13 years, $330 million. It's breaking news, so we're just sharing that and, and Gary talking a little sports, but also his faith, and we want to chat about a couple of the topics on the other side. Also looking forward to Richard Pryor Jr. joining us this hour and Lisa Dealey. She's the chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office. They have a new voting system in place. Going to explain some of that. We also have our Duncan and Wawa stuff to hand out. If you want to text in, so you're in. Once you're in, you're in for good. You don't have to keep sending your stuff in, just go ahead and do that to 610-500-DOVE. That's our show text line, 610-500-3683. Just need your first and last name, your city, and if you like Wawa or Duncan, then you could win a gift card, not just today, but ongoing. We'll be drawing names in the days to come, courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet in Jenkintown. Back in just a second, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Make a stash. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 414 on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com, joined by Gary G. Cobb of gcobb.com, longtime Eagle, Dallas Cowboy, Detroit Lion, broadcaster in this market and other places, and we're glad to have him on today. Uh, one more sports thing before we ch- shift gears for a second. Uh, Nick Foles, of course, we want to talk about him for a moment. Super Bowl hero and all-around good guy, a godly guy, too. Uh, the Eagles making a decision to basically set him free. What are your thoughts on that, G? Well, I thought it was uh, uh, the right thing for the Eagles to do. I mean, uh, Nick Foles has you know, contributed so much to the Eagles, I mean, leading them to their one and only Super Bowl title. You can say that again. And, what was that again? They're what? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's sink in. We don't. We don't have like five or six rings to talk about. It's usually. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, you let him there. So you know, if, if he wanted to be uh, get a chance to uh, be the starting quarterback for a team and uh, to be in a position, you know, I think he's earned that right. You know, their teams are interested in him and. So uh, he gets a chance to be free, and I, I think it was a good deal. Everybody leaves. I know uh, some people wanted him to stay, but I think it's got to the point where you've got um, Carson to a point where 
course, he wants to lead this team, uh, and Nick wants to lead his own team. And so, uh, you know, you're in a situation now where everybody can have what it is that, that they really want. Yeah, and if uh, correct me if I, I think I understood. The, the different options were they could have put a franchise tag on Foles and then correct. had more control over trading him, but, but they would have also been on the hook if they had trouble trading him technically because a number of teams made some moves like the Broncos picking up Flacco from the Ravens. And so yep. do you think a piece of this had to do with the Eagles thinking trading him might not be quite as easy as some people because he would come with a, would he come with a $20 million price tag too if you traded him? Well, it, it definitely was a big part of it was the fact that they really didn't have, uh, you know, a suitor. They really didn't have a team on board because the, the, uh, there are three types of, of, of franchise tags. The one which they were considering would be where they, they make him the franchise, they put the franchise tag on him. Then they're on the hook for $25 million to pay him. They cannot afford to pay a backup quarterback $25 million. No way in the world. You couldn't put it into the salary cap. And at, at a certain point, you know, of course, you got to pay Carson. So right. that's coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, so they couldn't do that. Um, and so I, I think they thought about it, and they really didn't have a team that was willing to do business with them because most of them knew, look, you know, they're going to have to come to us. So why are we going to <laughs> yeah. do anything? Right. We're just going to sit here and wait, and he's going to become a free agent anyway. So I think that's what it is. The market really wasn't there. Uh, not that they didn't consider that, hey, you know, it's probably not the best thing for us to be, uh, you know, putting a franchise tag on this guy. But, you know, I, I think they didn't have anybody to do business with. Yeah. Gary G. Cobb is our guest. com, so you can find him, among other places, uh, and and uh, just chatting some sports today, talking about your faith a little bit. But uh, also wanted to, to say, you know, February is a number of months. We had a, a gentleman in yesterday talking about uh, health, like heart health and CPR, and he has a, actually a business where it's helped save a lot of people's lives because uh, I think February is National Heart uh, Awareness Month. But it's also Black History Month, too. And I, just wanted, I thought I'd throw a question your way just, you know, obviously it's important to talk about year round but from your perspective uh, you know where things are maybe what you have experienced over the course of your lifetime and to this day have, have things changed much and and how can people go about uh being you know being being uh sensitive in these things and you know any any particular direction you might take that is, is so well you know, you. you know i was born in i was born in north carolina so yeah. i lived there till i was six uh, i saw you know um different times we pull into a place let's say we were on the way up we're driving on a my dad, he pulls us in, and so we get ready to go into the bathroom. He goes, hey, 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 you can't, you can't go over this. We got to go over to this other one over here. You know, I'm a little kid. I don't, you know, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, of course, so, you know, I saw that. And so, I, you know, you can't uh, even really sit down and, uh, and, and describe how much of a difference it is because it, it is, it's, it's been major things that have been done. Um, that have there have been changes that have made have been made, and I you know I think there's more to do, um, and I think it's you know it's unfortunate some of the things that that have happened, but um, yeah. definitely has been a lot of progress. I mean it's it's, it's not the uh, just completely different um, you know way of life in that now you see an interracial couple, nobody says anything, yeah. nobody says anything, and it's it's no big deal, and I, I think that. Um, you know, 
Uh, you got two people that are in love with each other and things, you know, that, that um, you know, the color of the skin is not something that is a big deal. Um, did you find along the way, uh, did, did you have situations for you that you had to, like when you're a little kid, maybe you're not aware, but then it maybe it's a different story when oh, yeah. you were a teenager and was yeah, there... I, I remember, um, I remember very clearly, um, you know, now my dad, you know, disciplinarian. So, you know, we did, we did not get in trouble in school, believe me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's fair to ride and spoil the child. It did not happen at our house. Okay. <laughs> no sparing. Especially, you know, and, and, and uh, we, we, we were a little mischievous, uh, especially the boys. We, we, uh, we, really? we, uh, we pushed the envelope some. I can't you know, imagine. Because, well, we're little kids, especially, but we learned right away, hey, this is not, <laughs> you know. So anyway, uh, when I went to school and, um, you know, I was in one of the better classes, but, you know, I was, I was big for my age. And so uh, I remember my third grade, you know, the teacher say, no, 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 you can't sit in the back. You got to sit up here, you know, because I was black. I was really the only black kid in the in the class. Wow. Well, over time, she saw that I was going to be the last one in the class to get in any trouble. So she said, you know, I could sit wherever I wanted to sit because she didn't know me, see. And um, different things I, I experienced that a number of times. You know, and um, yeah, but you know, and and I, I would say that uh, you know there there were there were things going on. It's it's not as simple as people make it out because I, being African American, you know, uh, I experienced and my brothers and sisters we had we had we had uh, different things we had to deal with in the black community because we got good grades. They're going like it ain't cool. It's not cool if you're black. You're supposed to be getting good grades. You're acting like you're a little white boy. Hmm. You know that. That was the thing. So some of the black kids, and that was, that's one of the things that I try to go in schools now is to change that look. Uh, but when I was growing up, you know, if you were black, you weren't supposed to be doing well in school, you know, Man, quote unquote. That, that, yeah. that was the thing. So some of the kids were doing bad on purpose. And you think that the damage you do to your future by doing bad in school on purpose. See, that kind of thing needs to be taken care of. But that only happens by things changing in the in the African-American community where people make it a point to not allow that to happen uh, because that, those are some of the things I experienced. But I experienced all of it because race was an issue even bigger then. And as I said, I had a number of times where the teacher just assumed I was going to be trouble, you know, because I was the black kid. Yeah. When after they got to know me a little, they realized I was the last kid that was going to be in trouble. You know, because I got to deal with my pops, so <laughs> so I wasn't going to give any trouble. But um, you know, but but those things have changed, and um, for people to say that it hasn't changed, like I said, if you look at the, um, I know in my own family, you know, I have, you know, we have a number of, uh, you know, uh, my uh, brother and sister, you know, who have married, and in fact, I have a son-in-law. He's he's Caucasian, hmm. you know. It's not a big deal, it's, you know, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a great son-in-law, couldn't say enough good things about him, and God bless him. I mean, and, uh, you know, he loves the Lord, and, hey. That's, um, yeah, that's what he, you're after. He, he, he's a great, great guy. So that, that's not something that is a priority, you know, and I, I think that, um, that some 
at times people want to be divisive, you know, because it's, they get some kind of benefit out of it. And, and so, I, you know, I, uh, I think that there's been a lot of progress. But as I said, there's, there's things that, that need to go further, and uh, there's some communities that need help. And unfortunately, you know, quite a few of them are African-American predominantly communities uh, where people need help. Uh, but um, I, the, the race thing is definitely not anywhere near because, you know, when I was a kid, like in the 1960s, it was a different different country. No doubt about it. Yeah. These are all good things. You know, I like listening because I learn. I like to ask, uh, mm-hmm. try to put myself in other people's shoes a little bit just so I can get a perspective. And you said several things while you were talking that just gave me more insight. Uh, we had uh, a Danielle uh, Kimmy. Uh, Torres, who was with the group Out of Eden, um, which is like, uh, you know, they were around from the mid-90s to mid-2000s, and they won some Dev Awards and uh, kind of like, you know, the Christian Destiny's child, if you will, but a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had some good stuff to say, too. And I just, I, I, every time I, I can take notes, and it puts me in other people's shoes. So I, I really do appreciate you sharing those things. And there's no, a lot of no, wisdom no, 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 no. Now, this is one thing that I, I need to say. Yeah. That that it's, it's really... Um, you know, uh, a slight against, you know, the, the, the church, really. Hmm. You know, that as the body of Christ, we should lead the way. And at times, you know, with the, the whole race issue, with the church, where ter- churches, I, I think it's good to have uh, churches working with each other. If they're predominantly African-American or uh, predominantly Caucasian, uh, to have them working with each other, uh, I, I think it's a good thing. I don't think that, uh, and I know Martin Luther King said this, he said that one of the, that, uh, one of the most... Uh, divided, racially divided times was Sunday at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't be, because um, if you get to know people, you know that if it, was, if it was that simple to say, well, all I need to know is their race, and I know whether they're good or bad, uh, that's a total joke. <laughs> a total, <laughs> a total right. joke. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, yeah. you know, things involve a lot more than that. And so I think we made progress, and and uh, I, I think that we can continue on, but uh, you know the church should lead the way because you know we have we know the truth. That's we right. know the truth, and uh, you know we got the truth, and we know the truth, and so that's why you know was, uh, that the church led the way uh, with the um, the eradication of a lot of the racial problems has led the way, and so the church should continue to lead the way because we we know the truth. Everybody else, uh, not everybody else, knows the truth. But we do, and we know that uh, a real man, that we're really, uh, uh, we got the same father. That's right. And, you know, I'm thinking of the we song the we teach father. We teach our kids. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Where, you know, it goes red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves yep. the little children of the world. So that's a song that we're never too old to sing. That's Amen. 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 Gee, thanks again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. At my pleasure, and uh, we'll see how this, how this weather looks like. We, they've uh, it's been pretty easy winter on us so far. <laughs> little dusting tonight. <laughs> little dusting tonight. Little dusting tonight, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. We, uh, you know, we, this has been a real uh, light winter so far. We, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't been hit too bad. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great rest of the day, my friend. All right. God bless you. You too. It's Gary G. Cobb. Find out more about him, gcobb.com. Glad to have him on board. Every now and again, we tap in and learn some stuff. Uh, 
he's played for the Eagles and played for the uh, Cowboys and Lions and does a lot of broadcasting and most importantly loves the Lord too. So glad to have him on board. We'll take a short break, come back at you with Richard Pryor Jr. He has a book out called In a Prior Life, about to come out. We'll chat with him a bit. And we also have Lisa Dealey, chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office, about the new voting machines. And we have some stuff to give away. It's all happening here. Tim DeMar's show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 4.30 on WFIL, Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast calling for clouds the rest of the afternoon. Some sunshine mixed in. Low down to 27 tonight, a little light snow, and that's possible overnight as well. Then just kind of cloudy the rest of tomorrow with a high of 38. Flyers at Columbus tonight at 7, Sixers at Oklahoma City at 8. Phillies in Baltimore did the spring uh, spring training thing this afternoon in Florida. Uh, the big news, though, the Phillies apparently signing Bryce Harper after a long, long winter. 13 years, a paltry $330 million. Wow. No opt-out. So it looks like good old Bryce is going to be in town for a while. We are glad to have joining us Richard Pryor Jr. at this time. Hello. So there's a book called In a Prior Life. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for taking time to join us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. In a Prior Life, available in April. You jump in for a second and just share on a broad level why you wrote it and what your hopes are for it. Okay. Well, one thing I'm excited about, first of all, is that the book is doing so well on pre-orders. They uh, bumped it up. It's now going to be released on March 1st. That's tomorrow. Excellent. Um, I actually wrote the book for several reasons. Um to share my life as far as the things I've gone through as a child of a celebrity, showing the, the parallel lives my father and I had, yeah. and also showing um, that no matter what your trials that you've gone through, the tribulations and your pitfalls and all those, how you can come out of that darkness yeah. and how you don't have to stay in that, how there is light at the end of the tunnel, it truly is light at the end of the tunnel for you. That's great. That's excellent. Yeah, it, it, the press release just simply in one line said it's about overcoming, uh, overwhelming obstacles, surviving, and thriving. Maybe we could kind of just run down that list. Talk a couple about a couple of the obstacles you had in your life, just things people may not know that you had to overcome. Oh, well, I think um, one the, the, the main things is the, the drug use. I think uh, that was really, really an a important part to share in the book because a lot of times when we go through things, we always look for a thing that think is going to help us, and it's actually detrimental to us. Hmm. And I think um, because of not having, you know, not knowing who your friends were, not knowing if people are true to you, not knowing if people really loved you, and trying to have acceptance in life, a lot of times we try things to be a part of and to be associated with people and to be just the in-person during those times. We get into things and think it's going to help us is actually detrimental to our life. So I think those are one of the things I actually went through. And also the thing I, another thing I actually went through was the struggle of losing my parents. Yeah. Uh, my mother, losing my uh, mother was extremely difficult for me. It was so difficult that prior to her death, I tried to take my life and ended up on a ventilator wow. in ICU. And to being able to come out of that, being able to come out of drug rehabs, um, you know, coding and, and, and drug rehabs and all those things, being able to come out of all that darkness, just showing people some light. That's very good. Richard Pryor Jr. is our guest. Uh, you talk, talked about some of that and how you 
have survived those things and even how some thriving has come about in your life. Share a little bit about that. I know part of your journey included becoming a minister for a while, and you sang in gospel choirs, were part of your church early on. Was that part of your uh, overcoming some of these things? Yeah, during that time period, that was definitely a part of, of my journey of, uh, of making myself whole as far as I felt I needed to go in the journey I needed to go in life. Um, those are things I felt I needed to do at that time. Uh, not saying I stayed on that path because I didn't. Obviously, if you if, if, for people that would read the book and see the things that I've gone through. Yeah. But I think now uh, a lot of things have come full circle because I've matured in life and know what I want out of life. And life is a journey, and we should always be learning and always should be striving to uh, be a better person. And I think that's my spiritual uh, faith and all those things that have always played an important part of my life as far as me being the better person of who I am. And that's what I'm the journey I'm actually on right now, trying to be the best I can be, the best human being I can be, and being able to uh, talk to people and let people know, you know, what I've endured, what you're enduring, it only lasts a, a moment, and it, you can come out of these things. Yeah, I know. Uh, when you uh, when I was reading through some materials, I uh, understand that when your mom passed and and your father as well, that's kind of when you got back into acting, right? Like really going for it, uh, even though you had done some before and some music and had experienced that life through your dad and being around him. Is that part of the part of the process? Uh, you know, where you're moving toward at this phase of your life? Yeah, I I think it was like I t- I told people this. My mother's death gave me life. You know, it was like it's kind of a weird thing if you if you're not understanding where I'm coming from. But it's a thing where if my mother was still around, I'd probably still be in around her. You know, being coddled by her and hmm. not leaving around, you know, near her and not taking any chances in life and not leaving, you know, my comfort zone. And it took for them both to pass for me to finally say, I want to perform. It's always been a part of me. It's always been in me. Hmm. I no longer allow that fear to dictate what I do. And, I, and being able to use my name finally without fear of retribution of, like, being Richard Pryor Jr. Yeah. I am Richard Pryor Jr., but it's in a different light now yeah. that I see it. I don't see it as a, a detriment. I see it as a tool to help me get to where I want to get. Your father... I'm not saying that I have things handed down to me, but... Yeah. I have to work. I have to have the talent in order to get there. <laughs> right. Well, and on that note, yeah, I mean, your father obviously accomplished a lot and won a lot of awards and, you know, ranked number one comedian and all, all sorts of things. And, and also as a social commentator and a writer in many different facets, if you could just take a second, strictly speaking, because you're your own person, what did you learn from your dad as a professional? Maybe things you took or didn't take, and, and also just as a person. You know, they're intertwined. He's your father, so you're, you, are, you are and should be linked, but at the same time, you are your own person. Right. I learned from my father to um, be the best person I can be, to be, uh, be humble, to always treat people with respect, and whatever I do and put my foot forward in doing, whatever I do, do the best I can do of it. Hmm. Don't have to do anything. And that's the way I try to live my life. And that overlaps both, I guess, professionally and personally. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely both. Yeah, it definitely overlaps. Yeah. Because you can't do the, uh, as far as if your life isn't right and you're not living the right way and you're not doing the right things for yourself, I don't think anything else will fall into place in the right way. 
Richard Pryor Jr. been our guest. Uh, the book, In a Prior Life. Uh, one other quick thing, kind of as we wrap up, you touched on it a little bit earlier. What are you most passionate about now? I mean, the book is obviously a, a passion, a labor of love to put out. But what are you passionate about professionally? Is it the acting, the singing, or both, or, or additional things beyond that? Mom, it's actually both. Um, right now, what I'm going to be working on now is a one-man show based off of my book. Okay. <laughs> where I portray all the characters, because I, I love to sing and act, and I love being on stage. So uh, that's my thing I'm actually working on now. Okay, and maybe sometime in the next number of months, that, that might be ready for pushing out there. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. We're pushing my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We really appreciate your time. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, thank you for having me. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. That's Richard Pryor, Jr. His uh, new book, In a Prior Life, comes out tomorrow. Quick break. Come back at you with Lisa Dealey, chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office. They have a new voting system in place, machines and all. We'll chat with her about that. We also have some giveaways to do before the end of the show. Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 441 AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, keeping things rolling with our call in to Lisa Dealey from the uh, Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office. Hi, Tim. This is Philadelphia City Commissioner Lisa Dealey. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Good. Thank you for taking time to call in. Sure. Yeah. What's up? Well, <laughs> I host the program every day, 4 to 5, okay. on WFIL Radio. And, uh, when you say WFIL Radio, I'm reminded of how old I am. I think of Don Cannon and yeah. we Willie Weber. <laughs> you, you know what? You're Well, yeah, so you know. Uh, yes, because I'm old. <laughs> just seasoned. Yeah. Well, you know, we have, uh, it's kind of neat because some of the guests that we have, the station's format's actually a, a Christian teaching and talk station. But we, okay. but we have, uh, this program's kind of built to kind of engage a little bit more. So some of the people who call in are pastors or who are like, they're, they're on our station. But a lot of the people okay. who call in are like, who were on FIL back in the day, like Mike Love of the Beach Boys was on with us. Oh, uh, wow. Well. Um, who do we have? I had Dion Warwick on last week. Nice. And uh, so people who used to be on here in one format, now they're they're doing something else nowadays. So um, And we'll have some of the Phillies call in and stuff like that. So it's cool. uh, we want to build locally as much as we can, too. So, yeah, but we got a, a, a – um, I guess there was a press release recently, you know, talking about the voter machine. So I thought we could chat about that. Sure. Um, but first off, I thought maybe if you could to just share a little bit of an overview of, like, what you do in the committee in general, what types of things you have on your plate uh, you know, on a typical basis, maybe it's lots of stuff on your plate. Yeah. So the city commissioners are a three-member bipartisan board of elected officials in Philadelphia. Yeah. We are in charge of elections and voter registration for the city of Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, we are each independently elected, and we serve a four-year term that coincides with the municipal election cycle for mayor and city council. Okay. So that's good. Now, the press release that we received said uh, Philadelphia City Commissioners to vote on new election system, uh, aging voting system to be replaced with a new system that employs a voter verifiable paper ballot meeting the governor's deadline and securing future elections. So I just thought to unpack that a second. The word system, is that partly the equipment itself and or the way things are done? Or maybe they're related and intertwined. It's both. So yeah. what we did was well, in answer to the governor's uh, directive where he 
informed all 67 of Pennsylvania's counties that we must have a voter verifiable paper record voting system. Okay. Uh, selected no later than December of 19. Okay. For use preferably in the November 19 election. Yeah. We voted on a new voting machines. Okay. And uh, electronic poll books for use for our voters in November. Okay. So the old system, part of the problem was just the equipment itself was physically, you know, challenged, if you will? Well, or... you know, our old system was aged. It was, uh, you know, we had used it for a while. Yeah. And parts were um, getting scarce. And quite honestly, technology has evolved a lot. We had um, DRE systems, which were electronic systems. Mm-hmm. And we knew, uh, when I say we, I mean the city of Philadelphia and us, the commissioners, we knew that on the horizon, definitely we would need to look at a new system for voters in Philadelphia. And the governor's directive just pushed the needle on that and made it much more urgent. I'm chatting with uh, Lisa Dealey. She's the chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office. It's a three-member group and this this big project. You don't go voter machine shopping very often. What was that process like for you? Did you have a lot of research you had to do to, to get up to speed on what the options even were? Well, you know, um, even before being elected commissioner, I had done some homework on some you know, technology that would be available for voters in Philadelphia. And I traveled to New York and and Chicago and did some of my own research to find out about systems. But then once the city got, once, you know, officially became commissioner and the governor issued the directive, (laughs) the city issued an RFI, a request for information, asking, uh, you know, possible suppliers to come back to us with their systems and what they had to offer um, after the RFI came back, the city then uh, went into an RFP process, and based on the responses uh, that came back from there, the city followed their best value procurement procedures, and the responses to the RFP were scored by a selection committee, and then those results were then submitted to the procurement commissioner, who came back to the commissioners uh, with a recommendation. Yeah. Well, wow, it's a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. And uh, is the per- one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if the purchase of the voting machine that will be in use and the software that goes with it, are, are they separate pieces or do they come together? Or could you change software down the road but still use the physical part of the machine? No, it's all connected. It's a system. So it's a system and the software that is required to get the fullest value out of the out of the machine is it's all related. Okay. Lisa Dealey, chairwoman of the bipartisan Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office, our guest on the Tim DeMoss show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. So folks, take us through like what, to your to your knowledge at this point at least, maybe what the experience would be for someone who comes to go vote whenever these machines will be ready. What would they what would, what would they encounter? Well, the first thing that um, we did, we we also selected um, a poll book vendor for new electronic poll books. This modernization of the check-in process will replace the old paper poll books, yeah. speed up checking time, and allow Philadelphians to adapt to any proposed changes in the election code, such as same-day voter registration, no excuse absentee ballot. The electronic poll books will be implemented in November of 19 also, along with the new voting systems. Okay. And the new voting system that we chose, the Express Vote XL, has been certified by both the Federal Election Assistance Commission and the Pennsylvania Department of State. So it should be it ready. Meets the thinking... requirements of security, yeah. and it will be a 
full-faced ballot, uh, similar to what Philadelphians have been voting on for upwards of 50 years, and the ballot will be displayed in a full-faced fashion, and the voter would go in, uh, select their candidates that they would like to vote by pushing the button yeah. you know, on the screen, as they do now with sure. the DRE. The difference will be it's, it's a secure, resilient system with an auditable, voter-verifiable paper ballot. Okay. So after the voter makes their selections on the screen, a box will appear which will have the voter's paper ballot displayed just as they press the buttons. The voter then can verify, yes, they're the selections I made. They push a button, and that paper ballot drops into a bucket so that if there's a need for a recount or an audit, we have the paper ballot trail, which okay. is what the, what the governor directed. Yeah, because previously it's all it, it would have just all been electronically stored, technically, Correct. right? So that's so the, the voter doesn't need to do anything. They don't take it with them back home for themselves. It's not their receipt or whatever. It's just the the office will have a, a physical record in addition Correct. to the digital record. Okay. Correct. All right. Lisa Dealey, chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office, our guest. Uh, back with one more segment with Lisa. We also have a giveaway to do. Be ready for that a few minutes from now in WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email Timmy. D at WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL with Lisa Dealey, chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office, talking about the new voting machines. What's the timetable again for these? We'll vote in May in the primary yeah. on the machines that we have now. Okay. And in the general election in November, we, we will be voting on the new system. Okay. You mentioned the electronic... Uh, way of signing, I guess, signing in compared to you know taking a pen, a pen out. And I know where I where I vote. I'm in the suburbs, but they they'll put a book out. They'll just kind of look for my name, and then I, I sign next to it. That part is that whole thing going away. Then you don't need to sign anything physically. Oh, or? you'll sign, but you'll sign right on the iPad. Oh, okay. Just like we do a lot now, we see when we go out into stores and restaurants. There's yeah. a lot of that. So, yeah. so they don't have to take time to look you up what page are you on and match it right. up. Right. With- so what will happen is you'll go in, you'll you'll give the uh, poll worker your name. They'll type it in. Your name will pop up. If you belong there, if you're in the right location, they'll turn the screen around. You'll be given access to the voting machine. In Philadelphia, we have a, a unique situation where we have polling locations that house multiple divisions. So we could have a gymnasium, for example, that has six different polling divisions in it. Okay. And you might find yourself in line, and you get to the table, and you give them your name, and you say Smith, and they can't find you in the book. But you tell them your address, and they don't know where to send you. They're on the phone. There's people are using their phone trying to track down where you're supposed to be. Yeah. When in reality, you're, probably, you're only at the wrong table. You only have to walk like 10 feet and go to the next table. That okay. causes a lot of confusion, and it holds up the line, and it really, you know, it makes people lose a little confidence in the whole system when something simple as that happens. Sure, sure. The electronic poll book is going to eliminate that, because when you say Mr. Smith and you're, not, you're at the wrong table, the poll worker is going to know, based on what comes up on that screen, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, you vote at, in Ward for Division 22, yeah. and that poll, that polling location is right there across across the way. Yeah. So that's going to speed up the the, vo- sure. the voting process for people. It's going to give people, I hope, uh, they should have even more confidence in the integrity of the election. Yeah. 
It'll create less stress for our poll workers. All around, I believe, even though I'm very happy with the selection that we made uh, for a new voting system, for me, I think what is going to revolutionize the voting experience most for Philadelphia voters is the implementation of the electronic poll book. Basically in and out, get people through much faster. Yeah, the the throughput will be much faster. It'll be more efficient. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to the effect that it's going to have for Philadelphia and their voters. This may be just a kind of off the side question, but kind of related. Uh, I know when I go to sign in, my brother used to live around the corner from me and now he lives in another state, uh, visits, but he's been out of state for 10 years. But the paper book that we have at our local place still has his name in it. So what's the rule, do you know, from Philadelphia or and if maybe expands to Pennsylvania, if you move to another state, theoretically, if you've established, obviously you've established residence somewhere else, that's where you're supposed to vote, right? But what if you own homes in two places or just if you could speak to, to your knowledge? Well, that gets that, into yeah. the whole um, voting rights. It's all in our uh, Pennsylvania election code and different states have different rules. However, if you haven't voted in a long time, you know, eventually – your name will not appear on our poll book any longer. Okay. Once you miss two uh, federal elections, you're, you'll get a letter that will say you've been marked inactive. Please let us know if you're going to be here or not. Yeah. And if you, we don't get anything back, we take you off the rolls. Right. And I'm, I'm guessing there's lots of nuances to that. But the, the main idea being, you know, I, I always wonder when the check-in process, uh, and you've described that before. Like, I, I was surprised at one point that, I think there's a few elections ago, I, I, have, I started to take my license out. They're like, oh, you don't need your license. You just got to be able to sign here. You know? The only time you need identification to vote in Pennsylvania is the first time you're voting at a polling location. Okay, to prove you're... So under- if you're a first-time voter yeah. and you never voted before, you'll need, you would need to provide identification. It's just to validate that you're, you're voting there or if you moved. For example, like if you lived somewhere for 10 years in Philadelphia, you lived uh, in Center City and you moved to, you know, Northwest... That first time that you're voting in that new location, you have to show identification. Interesting. Okay. That's good stuff. Well, and I'm, there's a fascinating process. I, I, and you feel excited about the machines that are that you finally came to a conclusion? It's a lot of work, I'm sure, to get to that point. But does it feel good to you that, that this is It feels close? good, and, I, and I'm really – we're going to work hard to make sure that everybody in Philadelphia is made aware that there's a change coming, and there will be plenty of opportunities throughout the late spring and summer – for uh, voters to get familiarized with the equipment. We'll be doing trainings throughout the city, and we'll be making sure that Philadelphia, and we'll use partners such as yourself, so I'll appreciate the opportunity to come back and talk to you then. Sure. That sounds need We're going to need um, all the help we can get to get the message out, to let Philadelphians know uh, there's a new voting system coming, and we want everybody to be confident in their vote and to come out and get some familiarity with it before the November election. That'll be great. Yeah, we'll, we'll put on the calendar as a spot check so we can uh, let people know about it. Because it it's helpful to know. It sounds like, though, even if they just walked in cold, the, the sign-in process alone will be faster and it will help. You know, there's not doesn't be a training session while you're on site. This is how it all goes. It's just... Absolutely. Yeah, so that's good. I would like to thank you for the opportunity, and I would just ask your uh, listeners... If they're unsure about their voter registration status or if they don't know where their polling place is, please visit our website at www.philadelphiavotes.com. That sounds good. That sounds great. And, and by the way, what we've been talking about Philadelphia here primarily, but would you say, because we have listeners you know, in surrounding counties, would you uh, 
expect that they're also going to need to do the same thing wherever they assembly lives out in Pottstown or Governor Wolf has informed all 67 of Pennsylvania's counties that they must have a voter verifiable paper record voting system selected. Okay. So every county in Pennsylvania uh, will be looking at a new voting system, if not in uh, November, certainly by 2020. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, nice to talk to you. Nice to make your acquaintance, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again down the road. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lisa Daly, chairwoman of the Philadelphia City Commissioner's Office, our guest. Before we finish, call me now, 800-560-WFIL. You want to win a gift card while our Duncan, courtesy of Brian Chevrolet in Jenkintown? Also hit WFIL.com by midnight tonight for a chance to win Pastor Greg Laurie's new book, Jesus Revolution, part of our new beginning, being our Ministry of the Month for February. Jim Max and Max 413 Ministries leads in prayer next. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.